Before we begin, a note of warning. The language used and the topics explored in this podcast are not suitable for listeners younger than 18. Your discretion is advised. From the Spade and Archer Studios, welcome to Behind the Yard Sign, the podcast that pulls back the curtain to reveal the real world of real estate with your hosts, Justin M. Reardon and Amy Romberg. Hi, Justin. I am great. How are you doing? I mean, it's a little wet outside, but oh gosh. It's a rainy kind of day, but by the time this podcast comes out, it's going to be April. I'm going to say it's going to be full spring. Yes, I'm ready for full spring. Full spring ahead. (laughs) Full spring ahead. Yes. I'm doing a quick trip down to Palm Springs because when you can't have spring, you go to Palm Springs. You find spring. It's not really working. It's good. I mean, it's a little bit of a stretch, but I know where you were going with that. I was there for the first time this year, and I now understand why there is such a flow of people from here to there. Right. Oh and my it's gosh. Such an easy flight. Yeah. And there's tons and tons and tons of Portlanders down there. Yeah. I run into more Portland people in Palm Springs than I do in Portland. <laughs> <laughs> that does not surprise me. Okay. So I got a question for you. Yeah. When you are communicating with clients, how do you know when you're going to call versus text versus email versus fax versus send a certified letter versus go and see them in person? Like what's your kind of hierarchy of communication? I really prefer fax, Justin. I like to fax everything. Good stuff. (laughs) Especially about timeshare condos. Yes. It's good. That's such a good question. I generally follow the lead of the clients. And oftentimes that is a direct conversation. Like what is your preferred method of communication? I think sometimes I can tell a lot, you know, most of my business is is referrals. And sometimes I get people who call or text directly. And then other times I get people who reach out to me through my website. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes that is indicative of how they're going to want to communicate. Is that your website, amyromberg.com? It it is. is. That That is my website. Thank you, Justin. Um, (laughs) I do think that, you know, if somebody starts a conversation via text, I mean, that usually indicates to me that this is someone who really is inclined to text. Um, my first wait, wait. So like somebody's like interested in buying a house and they're like, Hey, I got my your name from so Jack. and so. I'm yeah, yeah, and I'd like to buy a house. That's so I would never do Me that. Either. I would always make my first introduction would be a phone call. It a seems like so percent crazy serial killer to me to like text somebody <laughs> about buying a house. You're yeah. like, so you're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. I will say, I mean, I think as real estate agent, all of us get weirdo text messages sometimes and weird calls, like because our numbers are just out there and they're on signs and they're, yes. so, I mean, I, I obviously, when I say that somebody's coming to me in this way, it's usually like, I'm a referral from so-and-so or I'm friends with so-and-so. So it's, um, yeah. it just takes the serial killer element out of the conversation. <laughs> Referencing yes. somebody that you know. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. But I'm the same way, Justin. I would, my first is always a phone call. And yeah. in fact, I really have tried to do more phone calls during pandemic time. And I have found them to be well-received because I think so many of us just have felt so lonely in the past couple of yeah. years. I do a lot of email introductions mm-hmm. where I say like, Amy, I'd like to introduce you to my friend, Jill. We've been friends for years. Yes. Uh, she's really interested in meeting you. Jill, please meet Amy. She's the real estate extraordinaire, blah, blah, yeah. blah. Here's your guys' information. Yep. Send, please don't copy me. Yeah. <laughs> I'll let you take it from here. Yeah. I do that email introduction thing a lot. Oh my gosh. Um, just because it's yes. easier, And right? it's like, the, yeah. it's it's also the warm handoff to somebody. It's like, I, I feel so good about doing that when I have a client who seeks somebody out for services or I love the warm handoff. I think it makes it very clear to the person that you're sending the referral to who the person is. They shall be trusted. Yes, yes. absolutely. And it makes the person who is, you know, getting the referral, I think, feel cared for. And I think that's so much of 
important part of our business is it feels like you're taking you're just taking the whole thing really seriously. Okay, bad news. So something has gone wrong. You've got a house that is listed, it's staged, everything's ready to go. The inspector leaves the shower on and the basement floods. Yeah. Are you texting? Are you emailing? Oh God, that's a phone call. I mean, as much as I do not ever want to make that phone call. I mean, I think in some ways it's indicative. I don't know where you land with this, but I feel like for me, the the more I don't want to make the phone call probably indicates the more I need to make the phone call. Yeah. What do you think about the that? More, the, I think the more afraid you are of yes. speaking to them, the more afraid you are of their reaction. Because my, my my millennial employees, when something goes wrong and we're like, we broke a banister or something, and you know, stuff happens like it does. I'm like, do not text them this yeah. information. You have to call them. They have to hear your emotion. Yeah. They must hear your sorrow and your apology. When you say it in a phone call, you'd be like, I'm so sorry I broke your banister. When you text it, they might hear it as, sorry. <laughs> Yeah. Break your banister. Like <laughs> it's, you have to give them some kind of emotion behind the text, and an emoji is not going to cut it. Eye roll emoji is not enough. Yeah, I fully agree. Yeah. Bad news is phone calls. Yeah, because uh, we've all had the experience of you're you're in the middle of a text conversation, and all of a sudden it starts going sour, and you're like, oh, wait a second, what just happened? And like yeah. because there's so much room for interpretation, emojis are not like hearts right. and flowers, and it doesn't does not cover the sort of uh, misunderstandings that I think text is ripe for. Okay. So you're so you're doing an open house. Yep. You pull a book off the shelf, mm-hmm. you open it and a thousand dollars in cash falls out of it. What do you do? I take the money out of the book. I put mm-hmm. it in my pocketbook. Mm-hmm. I finish the open house, call the sellers and say, Hey, I had an unusual experience at your house and I have something that belongs to you. <laughs> So this actually happened to me. I was staging a house. Yes, I was staging a house. And we were rearranging the books and $990 fell out of a book. And I was like, why is there not? I counted like four times. Like there should be a thousand. Why is it only 990? (laughs) And so I texted the client and I said, I need to speak to you immediately. It is not an emergency, but it is incredibly important. And two minutes later, I got a phone call. She's like, what's up? I'm like, I found $990 in your book and I'm putting it back in the, or I will put it wherever you yeah. want it to be. But I am freaked out because if something happens, like yeah. I didn't take your money. And then she was like, it's totally fine. Put it back in the book. I know which book it is. I'm like, it's just in a different position than where it used to be. And she's like, okay, it's totally fine. Don't worry about it. So she sent me a picture of it. I'm like, okay, I can totally do that. So. Oh, I love it. I love it. That's so funny. It scared the crap out of me, man. Oh my gosh. That makes sense. Absolutely. And I do think, I mean, being able to take a picture of it and be like, here it is. I'm putting it back here. Like that is kind of reassuring for everybody because as much as you hope your clients really trust you implicitly, it also feels good to be like, I put this back here. Look at me putting it back here. We once were staging a house and I walked out into the front sidewalk and I found somebody's wallet and I pulled their ID out. I found them on Instagram and shot the message like, hey, we found your wallet. And like, oh, well, I'm downtown. Can you bring it to me? <laughs> sure. <laughs> so oh. we like got in the car and like delivered their wallet back to him. And they were, she was like, thanks. I am just going to hope for comma on that one. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I found a, I was leaving my house pretty early one Sunday morning on a run. Now we're going down this road, <laughs> how we got here, but yes. I found a, a bat, like a small sort of, it wasn't a wallet, but it was like maybe a makeup bag, like a, a smallish woman's makeup bag. Yeah. Full of cash, mostly ones. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So we were dancing. Uh-huh. 
Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, I found, I did not find an ID in it, but I found a Rivermark credit card or bank card. And I called Rivermark and I was like, hey, I know you can't give me information, but this is, I have something that belongs to this person. And they actually did an amazing job because I, I, I didn't, you know, want to yeah. keep her soggy ones. Um, <laughs> and there was just, a, it was just a lot of money in there. And I was like, yeah. you, you need, this you need this. this money. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. um, she came and got it. She did not ask for me to deliver it downtown and she was incredibly gracious about it. So the girl that I did deliver it downtown to, she did a tag us on Instagram and be like, Hey, Spade and Archer's rad. They returned my wallet. So, you know, I got a little bit of something, something <laughs> okay, for good, her good. 14 followers. Yes. Yeah. It was pretty awesome. Good. So I think it's really important to, to be thoughtful about when you call and text and email. And I, I have heard people tell me that they have clients that only want to text. And I think that's a little bananas because I have agents. Yeah. Agents, I have some agents that are like, they are not phone call people. They are only text people. And I try to get my team to understand phone calls are for things that are both urgent and important. Yeah. The warehouse is on fire. Yeah. That's, that a, a, phone that's, a, call. that's a phone yeah. call. A text message is things that are important, but not urgent. Yeah. The address you're going to tomorrow is 2020 Northeast Multnomah. Yeah. Okay, great. Super. An email is for something that is informational. Yep. Here's your next steps yep. when you choose to take them. Yeah. And so I try to divide my contacts into that. There's a lot of gray area between those. Yeah. And that's where we default to what type of communicator is this person. This person responds really well to text messages. Yeah. This person responds really well to phone calls. And we share that information a lot. We're like, well, what let's we're, we're dealing with Amy Romberg today. Okay, well, she's a phone call gal. Yeah. Okay, awesome. We'll we'll call her. Yeah. You know, especially when we're trying to like collect past due rents, things of that nature. We have yeah. a whole system set up that's like they get an email and a phone call and a text message that's like, you haven't paid us, we're gonna take the furniture at your house. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> it just all depends. There's some things where we have to send certified uh, mail Yeah, on our guaranteed process where we have to send certain forms required by the state in order for them to pay us so that we have some way to make sure that they pay us, that we have to send certified mail for those. Yeah. Is there things, are there things that you guys have to send it through the mail, like hard copy at all? Uh, not that I can think of, not in, not anything that I have yet to come across. I mean, I think so much of our work and, and signatures are done through DocuSign or DigiSign, or I think that sort of serves the purpose of sort of collecting a signature somewhere that's binding. So Amy, as you know, Celine Dion is here. I, She's in the green room. I yeah. don't even know how she managed to fit it in with her, with her schedule. I don't know how you got her, Justin. Basically, she was on her way down to Las Vegas mm-hmm. and she just kind of stopped off for a layover in Portland. Her flight is in a couple of hours to head back to Las Vegas, but she is doing karaoke with Taylor Spencer in the green room. They are drinking uh, champagne and eating caviar. Do you want to pop back and go get them? Absolutely. I will be back, okay. Justin. Oh, Taylor, come on in this way. I hated to break up that party back there. There was like the caviar was flowing, the champagne. It was beautiful. <laughs> Have you ever sang karaoke with Celine Dion? You know, honestly, <laughs> I was I was so impressed. You weren't intimidated at all. I walked in and was like, my voice just started cracking. Well, that's why I requested the champagne. I'm like, I'm going to do this. This is on my bucket list. And just so everybody knows, I hate caviar. I hate seafood, but I just feel that's what Celine Dion would want. So. <laughs> 
<laughs> a little secret, like when I got Celine Dion's contract for this, it did have a writer that said no karaoke machines. And I talked to her, I gave a little back rub and she was like, all right, all right, we'll do a karaoke machine. And I was like, okay, sweet. Excellent. So we're good to go. I packed my own just in case. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. So Taylor Spencer, how long have you been in real estate? Oh my gosh. It'll be two years in June. Oh, it's like forever. <laughs> I know. And it, you know, I'm still pretty new to the yeah. game, but yeah, it's been a good two years, almost two years. Mm-hmm. Okay. So tell us all about you. Where did you grow up? Where did you go to school? Tell us the whole thing. Uh, well, I spent like half my life in Salem, Oregon, went to elementary school out there, came up here to Oregon City around 2008, went to high school at Oregon City High School, class of 2013. What's the mascot at Oregon City High School? Pioneer Pete. <laughs> Pioneer Pete. Pioneer yes. Pete, yes. Wow. Let's course. go Pioneers. Of course. <laughs> and yeah, I went to Clackamas Community College for a couple years. And while doing that, I was a cashier at Safeway mm-hmm. yeah. for a couple years. And then I got tired of that customer service job. So I moved to a different customer service job and uh, became a receptionist at a law firm and was there for four years. And in between that, went to PSU or Portland State University, got my bachelor's in arts and letters. Nobody knows what that means. I still don't know what that means, (laughs) but it's my bachelor's. (laughs) And I took one real estate class. It was a master's level. And I was like, I kind of like it. Uh, It was commercial real estate, you know, a lot of like pro formas and, you know, a lot of numbers, investment stuff. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm like, this isn't my calling, but I think residential could be my calling. Yeah. Um, So I left the law firm, went to an engineering firm, was there for a couple years. And then uh, 2020, I got my license, um, Ah. my real estate license. So here I am today. Did you get the license before or after we locked down for COVID? I started in COVID, so it so probably it, took me about three months to get okay. my license. And then that summer of 2020, I took yeah. the test. And, yeah. yeah. So I always wonder, like, well, there's a lot of agents who started right around COVID. And I'm always like, did you do it before or after? And if you did it before, mm-hmm. would you still have done it after? <laughs> so your entire career in real estate has been during COVID. How did you end up landing at Keller Williams? I was at a, I started on a team at uh, Next Home Willamette. And I was working there for a little over a year, actually. And, you know, the team dynamic was great, but it just wasn't enough for me. So I was thinking about jumping ship. You know, where do I want to go? I was, you know, contacting other brokerages that I'd reached out to in the beginning. And then I ran into the team leader at Keller Williams at a taco stand. (laughs) And we kind of just hit it off. I don't know. We were just talking about tacos and then just gravitated to talking about real estate as one does. And uh, we met up a few times, you know, he told me about Keller Williams, Portland Elite, and how great the team was, how they're looking to grow. Um, I went to a couple classes before officially signing on. And I don't know, I was blown away with just the whole family dynamic and what they had to offer as far as training. And so that October is when I officially signed over. Yeah, their big yearly meeting is called the family reunion. And so is mm-hmm. that a pretty common word that's thrown around at Keller Williams, this whole family thing? It sounds like it. Yeah. Um, I mean, everybody works together in some way, shape or form. I mean, mm-hmm. there's agents. We're always doing open houses for each other. We're always doing showings for each other if someone can't do it. So yeah, family is a really big concept. A lot of them have been working together for probably decades. And the office I'm at is pretty new. It opened about three years ago. So a lot of people 
have come together from other brokerages. I love what a Portland story this is. I just want to say <laughs> I, I ran into this guy at a taco stand or this person at a taco stand and then it all just goes from there. Just that was meant to be. It was like a Wednesday afternoon and I was visiting my friend at a bar she works at and he's like, oh, where are you going? I'm like, oh, I'm going back to the bar. And he was like, oh, OK, I'm going to go back to work. <laughs> Like, right. <laughs> just it's, doing it's marketing. It's marketing. It's <laughs> marketing. Okay. Yes. We don't have nine to five jobs. That okay, friend who works place. at the bar is going to buy a house eventually. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Janelle uh, Isaacson was on the show a long time ago and she was very involved in the punk rock music scene of Portland and there were no real estate agents serving that scene. And she started just talking to people like you could own a house. You could actually own your own house even if you're a rock star like that. that you can make that happen. She developed an entire business. She owns Living Room Realty, and she's done this entire thing around marketing to people who are generally not marketed to for real estate agents. So I think it's completely valid that you find your sphere where you find your sphere. So uh, Taylor, I don't mean to give away your age, but you are a millennial. Yes. (laughs) A younger millennial. Yes, young millennial. (laughs) We're doing a a two-part series on how uh, millennials communicate with boomers and Xers and with Gen Z and all that. What do you find to be the most difficult aspects of communicating with people who are millennials or people who are not millennials? What do you like about it? What do you like not like about it? Being kind of in that middle range, so to speak, millennials, middle, I don't know if that has any correlation. I grew up with my grandparents. They raised me. Um, So they're from the boomer generation. So I've grown up kind of moving at a slower pace for the most part. I'm okay with that. Um, I adapt to that for the most part. But, you know, as far as a real estate transaction, especially right now, slow is not really an option. So it's difficult sometimes to work with boomer clients, so to speak, where it's like, okay, I'll print off this document for you. And I guess I'll bring it over for you to sign it because DocuSign is non-existent. Whereas whereas millennials, sometimes I feel like we like to cross the line a lot. I'm getting emails at 2am sometimes just (laughs) randomly or a text like, Hey, I know you're sleeping right now, but just wanted to send this off. And you know, it's like, sometimes things can wait. It's not the end of the world. If you don't send that text to me, you know, versus 2am versus 9am. There's settings on our phones, too, that we can protect ourselves. We can say, like, hey, I go silent after 9 p.m. or after 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. or after 7 p.m. And you can set those things so that it's like, even if you email or text me, I'm not even going to know until I wake up tomorrow morning. So right. email all you want at 2 a.m. I am not helping you because this is just real estate. <laughs> and I learned that lesson. I learned how to put my phone on snooze mode. The first client I had who would yeah. call me at 1 in the morning, like, yeah. hey, this house is really dope. Can we go <laughs> see it tomorrow at 8? I'm like... Yeah. Go to bed. No, I am sleeping. (laughs) I love this perspective, Taylor, that you just to go back to what you said about just being raised by your grandparents, how that you you have this link to a generation that moves differently. And I, I bet that's really valuable in terms of, you know, all the different folks you may work with in your career, just really knowing how to approach those folks as well as folks of your generation. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel real estate, well, any industry, but especially real estate, you have to move with it. You have to adapt with it and your clients are no different. I think most realtors that I know would have no problem printing off a contract and running it to have grandma print it or sign it. You have to adapt with that because boomers exist Yeah, (laughs) and they want to buy, they want to sell and they're not leaning towards the traditional do everything online. They're not eye buyers. They're not 
doing any of this. It's very old school. I would much rather adapt to their methods that make them most comfortable if it means getting it done right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Meet them meet them where they're at. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. We have a process where when you pay us, we send you an e-invoice. You click pay now, you type in your credit card number into a computer and it processes your credit card and it sends you a receipt like right away. It's very simple. Millennials love it. Generation X is used to it at this point. Boomers are terrified of it. And so they see that and they're like, (laughs) I do not feel comfortable typing my credit card number into a computer. And so they pick up the phone and they call us and they say, this is our credit card number, which we then write down on a post-it note and then go to the computer and pay it through the computer the exact same way that they would have done it. Because we have no other way to process a credit card because it's not like I can squeeze money out of a post-it note with numbers on it. So then the credit card company actually charges us more to do it if we type in the number for them because they now know that there is now a post-it note that has a credit card number on it that somebody could find and steal their credit card. So it's actually less safe for them to give it to us because honestly, if they type it in, we never see the number. We see the last four digits. That's it. As soon as we do that, we take that post note and put it into a paper shredder. It's it's so backwards that because it was honestly in the, in the 80s and 90s, it was dangerous to type a credit card number into a computer. That was a bad idea. And so we're, we just try to meet them where they are. And we're like, yes, absolutely. But there is a process around making it safe for them around at the same time. So we've got a couple of questions for you. We, we had a discussion <laughs> in our last podcast with Jacob Donahue and we were talking terms. We're wondering if you could help us as because I, I think Amy, are you an Xer as well? Mm-hmm. So am I. Okay. Yep, we have yep. some questions <laughs> on some terms that we'd like for you to help us understand. And actually, during Uh-oh. our last conversation, you used the term slide into my DMs. And oh, I don't know gosh, what that I means, did. but I think it sounds dirty. What does it mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and I mentioned I, I I said it, and then I was like, I'm so sorry. I can't believe I just said that. Why would that? Um, no, don't apologize. I want to understand. Like, I want you to slide into my DM. I don't remember the context, but yeah, the term sliding into your DMs. I mean, I think, Justin, you were like, you know, it's kind of like sneaky. Like, you know, I'm going to sneak into your messages. But yeah. no, it's just sending a direct message on like Instagram. On like Instagram or, or Facebook. Could you, could you slide into somebody's DMs on Facebook or is that too Oh, old? yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. So it's any I mean, any yeah. platform that has direct messaging, mm-hmm. sending somebody a DM, you are sliding into their DMs. But there is kind of a, a connotation around that, so to speak. Um, you know, sliding into your DMs, it's like, hey baby girl, what's up? Hey, your picture looks fire today. <laughs> a little sauce, maybe. A little saucy, yeah. 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 Is it like less direct than sending a text message? Like is texting more direct than DMing? I would say so because I mean I'll check my message requests and I'll have DMs, so to speak, from just yeah. random people. But texting, yeah. it's like, well, one, how'd you get my number? <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, right. It's a lot more personal. Okay. So if you are a boomer or an Xer, you just you just got up out of bed. That means that you woke. But if you are millennial... You woke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you are with the times, mostly, I'd say, on the more liberal side. I was actually talking to someone about this. So, yeah. you know, the band, the Dixie Chicks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How they removed the term Dixie. From their right, name. they're just so the they, chicks now. They're the chicks now. Right. They woke. <laughs> yeah. So to speak. They woke. <laughs> Good example. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Drip or drippy. <laughs> I, the reason I asked this is I came out. I came out of the, my bedroom. I was all dressed like in a nice suit, and my son, who's seventeen, he was like, "Oh, that's drippy," and I was like, "Ew, what?" 
I, I do wish everybody could see your face while you're telling this story, Justin, because it's a little bit priceless when you say, ooh, drippy. It's so gross. Ooh, I was like, yeah. what's dripping? Ew, I don't know. It's something, that, oh, is my nose dripping? What's happening? So what is what is drip or drippy or dripping? Drip is like diamonds and, you know. Yeah. Opulence. Shoes. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So it's good. It's good. Yes. I think it's good. I mean, I personally have never used drippy in a sentence. I don't okay. know if that's a That might be a Gen Z thing. Book. Yeah. That's a Gen Z thing, maybe. Yeah. But yeah, drip is drip's <laughs> classic. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um on fleek, fleek or fleeky. <laughs> Just like your eyebrows are on fleek. What did you say? Perfectly executed. Perfectly executed. <laughs> yeah. This is this is the boomer definition of flaky. Perfectly executed. Those so eyebrows it, are perfectly executed. It's not necessarily something that naturally happens to you. Like, oh, your hairy chest is fleek. It would right. be like your beard is on fleek because it's perfectly trimmed. Like yes. you've your haircut. It's something that you've done. Yes. Is it specifically in terms of grooming, or could you be like, oh, your living room is on fleek? Like you you, you staged think, it so well. Your style's on fleek. Like okay. I don't know the vibes on fleek. <laughs> I'm trying but to it's something how that, millennial that somebody is responsible <laughs> for. Okay. Yes. Right. Yeah. Gotcha. But you wouldn't be like if somebody just has really big, beautiful eyes. You wouldn't be like, oh, your eyes—they're so fleek. <laughs> I wouldn't be offended if someone's like, well, your eyebrow, your eyes look really fleeky today. Would it be Thank in reference you. to your makeup, though? Or would it be a reference to the actual, like, size of your eyeballs? I think it'd be reference to makeup. Okay, mm-hmm. that's um, what you did. It is definitely yeah, right. Got it. Got it. Okay. <laughs> um, FOMO. Fear of missing out. Uh, Generation X thinks that this is something like, you know, you know, I want to go to Burning Man because I have FOMO. We think of it as, like, only in terms of fun things. You expanded on FOMO for millennials what does that look like for millennials and i mean i think it's a very personal thing but a lot of people i do talk to feel like this it's you know the fear of missing out it's like do we want to have these careers and you know travel the world and do all this or do we want to you know take a more traditional approach and try you know have kids get married people say you can have it all but it seems very challenging to be like oh i can be a full-time mom but also have run this you know empire and travel the world yeah. 200 days out of the year i think boomers were the last ones that were actually able to have it all and I think where so. you could be like a working mom and two incomes and own a house and do the whole thing like my husband's parents the greatest generation he was a firefighter he had four kids his wife was stay-at-home mom and they owned a house and all the furniture and had no mortgage like it's a, the, yeah. it, it just doesn't happen like that anymore yeah. so are you guys like literally choosing between I want to have like a lifestyle where I travel and do this or I can have kids and buy a house, but you don't get to do both. It seems like it. I mean, a lot of people are taking their 20s and 30s to just focus on traveling and having a career. And then we're having kids later on. Mm-hmm. You think back to, you know, the boomer generation and how they could buy a house on one salary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to get together with five of us to, right. you know, make this monthly payment. So why we have beef with the boomer. <laughs> It's hard. It's hard to do both, I think. And as much as I want to be optimistic and say you can, it's you have to make sacrifices and you have to make some choices about what you want. And the beef with the boomers, I don't think it's necessarily <laughs> about the fact that they got to do that. I think it's that they don't understand that you don't have the same privileges. That it's more complex than you just not wanting to do that or you that there's that there's a lot of barriers. 
absolutely. Yeah. I like, maybe you should just work harder and you yeah. can do it all. Sunny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like this FOMO as sort of an existential thing. It's like bigger than I don't want to miss the party. <laughs> it's like, right. yeah. Because yeah. I think for Gen X, that's where FOMO is like very like light and airy. Like, isn't that a funny word? We said FOMO. <laughs> yes. Oh. <laughs> totally. And I think like, no, it's serious. Deep into this and be in the middle of an existential crisis currently. But <laughs> <laughs> I do. <laughs> yeah, we're all, we're I do all with you. <laughs> we're all just on the edge. Yes. But. Netflix and chill or just oh, yeah. the word chill. What does chill mean? Because to us, chill is like, you know, relax. It's Yeah, it's a hookup. I mean, I've never, uh-huh. every time my friend's like, I'm going to go chill with this dude, you know, I met on Tinder. I'm like, have fun. Yeah. Use protection. Thanks. Use protection. Don't come back pregnant. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I noticed that like, if you go to Apple music, there's like, you know, top 40 country, rock, jazz, chill. chill. And so yep. I was like, oh, I'm working. I'll play the chill station. I will be like, that'll be relaxing. And I'll get some work done. And I put it on. And I was like, well, this is just sex music. And I think, <laughs> Joe to see genuine. Point, like, yeah. there's like 90s chill. Yes. And then there's like bedroom chill. And like, I mean. I, I think it's a corporate like code word for like, like if you want to reference sex, corporations just use the word chill. And I think millennials get it. They're like, oh, that's a, that's sex music. Yeah, that's what that's for. And I was like, oh, I, I had no clue. Did you know this, Amy? No, I'm, I'm feeling a little old right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I think I if we're confused, that. our, listeners mu- our, yes. our listener must be confused that like, yeah. okay, now, now if somebody asks me to go chill, don't be surprised. Like if... You know, yeah, there's some consent something. issues there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just ask questions. My advice to anybody <laughs> out in the dating scene, like you want to come chill, ask them, define what chill means. Taylor, I feel yes. like that is a wonderful piece of advice. <laughs> Always ask questions. Yes. Yes. Tell us about your, what does, what does marketing look like for you, especially since your entire career has been spent during COVID where it was nearly impossible, like shake a hand, rub a belly, give a hug. Like, how, like there's no, imp- what does your pipeline look like? Uh, social media. And for a millennial, I'm probably the most idiot when it comes to tech. I mean, I, I, I don't like it. I, Raised I by like boomers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Raised by boomers. I'm like, what is this? Um, I'm trying to utilize it more because social media is such a powerful tool. I mean, yeah. everybody says that and I'm like, no, it's not, but it is, it is a way to connect without having to be there in person and you can let people into your life and they can see you and see your personality a little bit, or at least what you put on. Right. Social the, the social yeah. media version. The persona. Of yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it is a great way to connect with people and find people that have similar interests. There's groups of people that, like on Facebook. I know Facebook groups, but I've met some amazing people on there. Like today, I'm going to go to a bar class with somebody that I met on the Hive social media group on Facebook. Okay. Hold on. Tar- terms, terms, bar class. So you're learning how to drink. <laughs> Uh, I don't need help with that. (laughs) (laughs) What's a bar class? And I just want to say right here for the record, I know what a bar class is. Okay, Amy, tell us what is a bar class. Yes. (laughs) What is bar? Ballet. This may be a male versus a female thing. Uh Uh Justin, I keep thinking about your mansplaining joke, and I don't know why I thought that was really funny. Anybody out there who doesn't know what mansplaining (laughs) is, especially the ladies, it's when a man explains something (laughs) to you that he assumes you did not already know. So, yeah. <laughs> Justin, I, I think I can speak for Taylor here. We both feel so enlightened now. Thank oh, you. Oh, good. I'm glad Thank I can help you. you understand that as a man in this situation. <laughs> okay, so, so bar. bar. <laughs> yes. 
bar is a fantastic workout mm-hmm. that everybody should do of all shapes and sizes. It's uh, ballet, yoga, Pilates, all mixed into one. Set to music and, or no? Oh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Music. Yeah. It is actual hell. Um, <laughs> it totally is. It. It, it hurts. <laughs> yes. It burns. It feels like you're on fire. <laughs> You, yeah. You'll feel like a new woman when you, yeah. when you walk out of it. Yeah. <laughs> I will I will fully disclose, as when I was a general contractor, I did build two Bar Method studios, yes. uh, one in San Francisco and one in Portland. The carpet that they install, they use triple pad. There's like three layers of padding and then carpet on top of it. So it's really, really soft on your toesies. Mm-hmm. But when I was marketing <laughs> to get that project, I would go in and I would take bar classes. And I'm five foot eight, 220 pounds. <laughs> and trying to stand on your toes in a squatted position for three and a half minutes is really hard when you're fat ass. I'm just saying. It's thick. We're it's thick. thick with two C's. Yeah. Yeah. That is definitely me. So, okay. Um, and then the other one was, uh, Oh, I probably mentioned the hive, like the group. The hive. Yeah. Yes. What is the hive? Yeah. I think of like the Beyonce hive, like, like the your sphere of influence. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a literal Facebook group that I oh, just have okay. targeted people on, so to speak. But really, I just right now I'm still I'm rebranding, I'm rebuilding. And so I'm dabbling. What's the new brand look like? I don't know yet. Uh-huh. I'm really it, it's fun. It's really fun. I'm really just trying to focus on building relationships mm-hmm. and coming from a place of service not necessarily giving things away or whatever, or giving money or bribing, I guess, but you know, (laughs) (laughs) my marketing ploy looks like handing cash to people. (laughs) Please use me as your realtor. (laughs) Yeah. Building relationships. And a lot of people I've connected with on social media and these Facebook groups, they've all said like, yeah, I'm interested in buying someday. That's awesome. Let's talk about the market, you know, without a real push to, Hi, I'm Taylor Spencer, and I'm a realtor at Keller Williams Portland Elite. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Tell us about your hardest day in real estate. The day you were like, "Why am I doing this?" Probably the day I got fired from my <laughs> first set of clients. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, that um, that was a doozy. These people, I they were acquaintances, and you know, I'd known them. We'd gone out a few times. Um, they eventually wanted to buy a house, and they reached out. I met up with them and, you know, they were t- we were talking about what they wanted and expectations. And keep in mind, I was maybe eight days in to having my license. I didn't know shit about the market. They didn't know shit about the market. And so their goal is they want a three bedroom, one bath, backyard, nice single family home near a green space in St. John's. Oh, and for under 300000 Oh, so it's 1972. <laughs> yes. Correct. In June of 2020. <laughs> yeah. And Ooh. me being an optimistic, fresh realtor, I'm like, yeah, we could do that. They're, they're popping up left and right. Four months in, nine offers that we were just destroyed, 80, 90 grand over. They, uh, they, the buyer burnout started to kick in and they were getting frustrated and I was getting frustrated. Kind of the big blow up was we'd put an offer in on a condo. The condo had been sitting for three months. We waited a little bit to put it in just because they were kind of unsure um, with like HOA fees and all that. And the second we put it in, another offer came in and they took the other offer. And I, when I tell you, I was sweating, almost crying when I called them to tell them we didn't get it because I knew knew this was the end, (laughs) you know? And that's what happened. I get a text from them two days later saying, we have no faith in you as our realtor. 
And that was it. Oh. And I was like, okay, all right. Failure number one. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yep. This is when the self-esteem has to kick in when they're like, we have no faith in you. are like, well, I still have faith in myself. Yeah. I'm not quitting just because you don't believe in me. That's, um, have, Amy, have you been there? We all go through it. I mean, I'm in just a little bit further than you are at this point, but there's already been a couple of things that I've sort of either missed or, you know, one, I was actively working with a client and I didn't feel very good about it. It didn't feel like we were a great fit, but I was definitely giving it what I had, but I think I was missing the boat for her. Um, And at some point I did ask her for feedback and didn't get any. And then I just got an email that said, Hey, we we're going a different direction. At that point, like it smarts, but I was also just like, best of luck to you. Like, I wish you the best. And it's hard though. It just, it's a little, it's a hit, but it's a hit to the ego for sure. I, um, it took some time and some reevaluating of my life. (laughs) Even, you know, now when I do a buyer consultation, that's one of the first stories I tell people. Um, I'm like, Hey, I got fired for my first set of clients. And this is why we're having this buyer consultation right yeah. now because of mm-hmm. where I went wrong there. You know, I know where I went wrong. Yeah. I overpromised and underdelivered. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. And I think a lot of newer agents yeah. do that and they don't mean to. No. They're just, we're optimistic. We're excited. We want to get these people in. A the home. market is not on your side. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah. Absolutely not. <laughs> so number but, one, I want to thank you both for being vulnerable. Uh, the entire purpose of this show is to let agents out there know that although they live very solitary business-like lives, they are not the only ones who have bad days. And being able to share that with these people helps them to feel better. Number two, Amy, the term, we've decided to go another direction. I think that's Portland for we hate you. Yes. Um, Yes. And so that that term has been, has been hurled my way before too. And I'm like, I I understand. Yes. I understand means it's Portland for I also hate you. So (laughs) I concur. I agree. Yes. I think you should. Okay. So let's lighten up a little bit. Tell us about your best day in real estate. When you get to hand over the keys, to your first set of clients that you close. I mean, there's nothing better than that. Yeah. Tell us a story. It was kind of a a hassle in the very beginning, the day we closed, because the listing agent, I was working with the buyers. Yeah. The listing agent had locked the keys in the house. (laughs) And I was like, well, you broke broke a window and it was no big deal. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Well, and he was, you know, I was like, Hey, um, I think the keys are still in the house. He's, you know, and he was like, well, that's not my problem. I'm done with this. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Great teamwork. Like, like, this has been really fun. He literally was like, good luck. It was it. No, seriously. He's like, my part's over. I'm done with this. He did apologize though, but we did get a locksmith out. He did pay for it. And then he paid me an extra like 50 bucks for the trouble, for your troubles, for the the troubles. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, no, they came and they were just getting back from vacation like the night before. Yeah. They were so excited and the kids were so excited to run up the stairs. Yeah. it, It was amazing. It was a really good feeling. It's an accomplishment. You talked a little bit about your closing gift. What do you usually give clients when they close Mm -hmm. on a house? I keep it really simple. I like to, you know, give them basics, like move-in stuff. I mean, kind of boring stuff like hand soap, dish soap, sponges, um, just things to have on hand when you're moving and you don't want to run to the store all the time. But I also like to try to find like a restaurant, like a pizza place or something close to where they live um, and give them a gift card to it. Because your first day when you move in, you're like, things are gross and here. I don't want to touch anybody else's stuff. You feel kind of like, <laughs> Ugh. so like having keys is great. And also your kitchen is not unpacked. And so you need 
a meal and you don't have time to like go out because you're busy. So like getting a pizza delivered in, I think it's genius. I love it. Something simple and then moving boxes. You never have enough of those when you're moving. (laughs) Where can people find you? Well, you can slide in my DMs (laughs) on Instagram at Taylor underscore JS. (laughs) Excellent. And Taylor is with a Y, T-A-Y-L-O-R. T-A-Y, yeah. What's the JS stand for? Uh, Gene Spencer. Oh, yes. And then you can text me or call me. Uh, My number is 503-929-0339. You can email me at taylorsbyreferral at gmail.com. I love it. Uh, Taylor, thank you so much for coming out. Taylor Spencer is a real estate agent with Keller Williams in the greater Portland area. Amy is going to take you back because I know she's also a big fan of Celine Dion. So she's going to take you back and do a little more karaoke with Celine. Oh, I can't wait. Thanks so much for coming out today. I appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, that Taylor is absolutely delightful. She was just lovely. She and Celine were just like chatting it up like old friends. I, I think Celine was a little lonely during our interview, and I think she was really glad when we came back. And you know, somebody has a sparkling personality when they return from a room that has both Celine Dion and another person, and you're like, that person has a sparkling personality. <laughs> you're like, Taylor actually outsparkled Celine Dion. Amazing, amazing. Yep, that was good stuff. And I, I really feel like I learned a lot from our interview. I think Taylor did just a little bit of community service for all of us who maybe didn't know what drippy meant, Justin. (laughs) I certainly It still sounds gross to me, but I'll take it. (laughs) So, Amy, something really interesting happened during our last podcast when we were recording with Jacob. We went through and everything was totally cool. And then you and I were talking about client gifts after the recording session had (laughs) ended. And I was looking up some client gifts when I heard like, sobs coming from my Zoom machine. And I was like, oh my gosh, what's happening? What's happening? I went back to the Zoom machine and I saw you and you were literally in tears. Yes. And you basically were like, and Amy and I are friends outside of work. Like we are, we're close personal friends. We've been friends for a long time. And you kind of uh, broke down and was like, here's what's going on in my life. Yeah. And it got me thinking during that entire recording session, I had not a clue that anything was wrong with your life at all. And it got me thinking about this idea that real estate agents must often be with their clients doing what their client wants to do in a very patient way while their life is on fire. Yeah. Uh, like everything is terrible. What are some what are some tools and tricks that you can use that can help people to keep it together to not let your personal issues bleed into your client relationships? I mean, first of all, thank you for being uh, my soft virtual shoulder, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> I just needed to lose my shit momentarily. So I was honored thank to do you. it. Thank you. Thank you for that. To jump I'm, through I'm the Zoom grateful. machine and just give you a big hug. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I think this business is so interesting in that way because you're it it you're clients don't need to know. I mean, many of us even work with people that we're friends with and they still in the in the midst of a stressful transaction don't need to know all the other things that are going on that are making your life complex or frustrating, right. you know, whether it's personal stuff or other transactions that are that are tricky because I think you're just as likely to have kind of personal stuff going on as you are to have another transaction that is complicated and stressful. I think it really 
falls to us to be just that incredibly calm space for each client that we have. And so I think one thing that helps me, let's say I've had a super rough morning, I am going to show houses, I think taking a minute in transition from wherever I was previously, whether it was at my computer or at home, moving into my next thing, doing my best to just calm myself down and really focus on what's ahead. Because we owe all of our clients that singular focus. And I think if we're bringing our stuff into the room or we're fried or we're frazzled and stressed out, then we are not bringing our best to the clients. And we're adding additional unnecessary stress to an already likely stressful situation. I mean, I remember looking at houses and the whole time I'm looking at a house, I'm with my real estate agent and I'm looking to them to see like yeah. how they're reacting to the house. Like, do you like this? Do you, I, I'm pretty sure I do. How are you feeling? And if my real estate agent is completely preoccupied with something else that's going on, I yeah. feel like I'm being ignored and yeah. that the person isn't present with me. And really a lot of what you're doing when you're certainly with buyers is you're being present. You're there. If your physical body is there and your emotional mind is not, you're not really there, right? A hundred percent. Do you ever catch yourself like checked out? Absolutely. I mean, I think it is to us to do the very best we can with this. And I think I am far from perfect at it. I definitely have moments where, you know, you're midway through a showing and your clients are wandering and all of a sudden you get a phone call or a text message or something really a, a piece of information that's intense that is not related to what you're doing in that particular moment, um, but that does need responding to. So in that case, I sort of weigh the level of urgency. I think this is also a business where you really have to figure out what's urgent and what's not. And I think sometimes it's hard, at least as a new agent, it's hard for me. Two years in, I think I finally have a little bit more of a sense of like, is it on fire or is it not on fire? (laughs) Whereas Mm -hmm. at the beginning, it felt like, oh my God, everything's on fire all the time. (laughs) And I just need to respond and everything needs to be done tomorrow and I just or today and there's no room and I don't think that's sustainable. And so I think when you are in in a situation with a client where you are distracted to figure out, you know, do you need to take five minutes? Do you need to say, hey, there is something that is incredibly important that I look at right now. I will be right back with you. Just communicate about it. Or can you put it down and really stay focused with your client? Yeah. A real estate agent who's a client of ours that puts his phone in driving mode whenever he is with another client. And so when I send a text, it replies back automatically. It says, I'm driving right now and I'll <laughs> respond to your text as soon as I'm done. And he always does. Yeah. But it's something that basically says like, it's unsafe for me to answer you right now. Yeah. And so like when you're when you're showing houses or you're with a client or something, is your phone on vibrate? No, I'm not someone who really ever has my phone making noises or vibrating really. I kind of mm-hmm. keep it off all the time and check it periodically. Yeah. But I do like that. You you prevent the distraction from happening. And you let somebody know, I'll get back. I'm not I'm not available right not now, but I you. will it's yeah. just not safe right now. It's like the same thing in the service industry. Like when I was the guy that was doing all the consults, all the installations, all the pricing, all the everything. I never told anybody I was on vacation. I never told anybody I was out of town. I would just respond as I needed to respond. I would check my emails every four hours or so. And four hours is a reasonable amount of time to get back to somebody in the home staging business. This is not brain surgery. You know, I always say horseshoes, hand grenades, and home staging. Close enough is good enough. Like it's no one's going (laughs) to die if that couch isn't in the right position. 
Um, I, I find that if I say a client has already booked that time, another client will respond back and be like, oh, okay, great. Well, I'll find a different time. But if you reply back and you say, I'm sorry, I'm having drinks with my friends during that time, or I'm having dinner with <laughs> yes. my family, or I'm on vacation during yeah. that time. They're like, oh, hell no. Yeah. You shall take my appointment. Yeah. Yes. But if you put it on another client and you say, I'm busy during that time, I'm already booked up with another client during that time, people are like really willing to accept that. Yeah. Yep. Because they're on equal footing as other clients. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. You know, we take weekends here and there. That's mostly when my wife can take time off. And obviously right. we have a kiddo in school. So that's interesting without without really thinking about it. I think I had also mostly avoided telling people I was out of town. They yeah. don't want to hear that. No. They're, that's definitely not, especially when they are freaked out. Yeah. This is not just people who are having a great day. This is a client, like for us, Yeah, it's a real estate agent who is dealing with a client who is really, really upset about something that we did in yeah. the house. They yeah. don't like a piece of artwork. They didn't like a carpet. They don't like a certain color in a room and they're freaked out and they want it switched immediately. Yeah. And the last thing you want to hear is, sorry, I'm on vacation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not that's not going to land that. well. There's nothing no. about that that's mm-hmm. going to land well. And there are times when that, when something's on fire and I've taken phone calls during, yeah. during vacation time and there's always some in town that I'm like, hey, can you go over here and fix this thing? Yeah. And it gets fixed and it's fine. There's 26 of us. We yeah. should be able to like figure it out at some point, right? I certainly have folks doing things when I am on vacation. Luckily, there are folks who we cover for each other or, you know, you can always ask or, or pay agents to show for you or do some of the things that need to be done. So right. it is possible to be pretty functional when you're not in town, unlike other businesses. We're human beings. We're not machines. We don't operate 24 hours a day. Yeah. And we must make decisions on when we are going to answer and when we're not. And and nobody is going to set those boundaries for us. Yeah. We have to set those boundaries for ourselves. Yeah. When you're an employee, your boss says, like, these are the hours that you're working. And if you're not working, you're not getting paid and you're not allowed to work <laughs> with me because it's against the law. When you're a real estate agent or a small business owner, you get to, quote unquote, choose your hours. <laughs> well, yeah, you get to choose your hours. But but that means that you can choose to work all the time. <laughs> yeah. And so we must set our boundaries as to when we are working and when we are not. So like nighttime mode, like at at nine o'clock at night, my phone does go silent. It does not notify me. And if you text me at one o'clock in the morning, I'm not going to answer you. Sorry. And here's the amazing thing. I have found that we teach people how to treat us. So if you answer a text message at 1am, people become comfortable and that's okay to do. If you do not answer, they give up. I used to take phone calls all weekend long from class yeah. all weekend long every single weekend I'd be like yeah I'll run over to that house and I'll check it out right now no problem well we just basically we set our hours we're like we are Monday through Friday we yeah. operate from 7 o'clock in the morning till 4 o'clock in the afternoon every single day and if you catch us during those times great and if you catch us outside those times there's an auto response that says hey we'll get with you now tomorrow morning and people just get used to it they learn how to treat you yep. and if somebody's not okay with us taking time off at yeah. night they're probably not our people 100% all it comes yeah. down to Amy yeah. what's the best place for folks to find you? Uh, I am at amyromberg.com. Easy to find yes. me that way. <laughs> Get on the website, send her a text message, be like, hey, baby, I heard you want to show some houses. It's good stuff. <laughs> That sounds awesome. <laughs> Send me a picture of yourself. No, don't do that. Uh, you can find us at spade-archer.com. We've got instant pricing and free website visits and guaranteed home staging where you pay out of closing. Our music is written and composed by Joff Metz. It was also performed by Joff Metz. You can find him at fivestarguitars.com. Our editor is Richie. Richie, thank you so much for making us sound incredibly intelligent. It's amazing. You know, they have filters on Instagram that make you look pretty. <laughs> 
<laughs> he has a filter on podcasting that makes us sound smart. <laughs> Ah, goodness. If you have a story that you want to tell, please reach out to us. We would love to hear it. Um, And thank you so much for all the folks who reached out to us to tell us your stories. It's been such a journey here. We will see you next time. Behind the Yard Sign. This production of Behind the Yard Sign was brought to you live from the Spade and Archer Studios. Spade and Archer Design Agency is the world's first guaranteed home stager. 